Better turn that on. I think we're on. Good. Morning, everybody. It's great. Great to be here. Great to see loads of visitors here as well. Um, I think today, I, I think I've drawn the short straw, actually. Or you have, actually. But because um, we're going through the book of, of Acts. And um, as part of that, we're up to Acts chapter 5. So I've got, I've got a passage. I'm going to, and we're just going to carry on, you know, through, through Acts. Um, and I've got a passage that actually proves that the Bible's true. Because if I was editing the Bible, if I was editing this book, I wouldn't have put this, this passage in. I'd have left it out. And um, because it, it creates um, an impression, a possible pr- impression for us that's, that's God's, we've been singing about God's love, all right? But God's love, but people who, who sort of um, disregard that love have, um, uh, what this episode is, it's about Ananias and Sapphira, and uh, they did something wrong and died, right? So God's, God loves you, but he, you know, people get killed, all right? Um, so I'm going to read this, but I just wanted out this, these verses first because I just want us to see that you know, there's no, uh, the, the line I, I, that stuck out to me was um, there's no lie you wouldn't, you wouldn't tear down. And what, what this, this episode illustrates is that God's passion for his church and for his creation, for his whole creation, for this whole plan that he's got that's described throughout the Bible to, to renew and restore his whole creation, that he is passionate about that. And there is no lie, there is no wall that he wouldn't tear down in order to get that, that done, in order to get that, that great um, if you like, outcome that he wants to see his whole creation restored from the way that we've marred it. So I want you just to, to see that. Um, we'll, go, we'll start by reading the verses. Um, there's been a bit of cut and thrust going on. There's a bit of, of like uh, Djokovic and Nadal and that other one that asked that our tennis match that lasted six hours. There's been a bit of a battle going on up to this point in the Book of Acts, that um, uh, where where Satan has been trying to sort of kill off the church and he's used various strategies which we'll come on to, and and the, the church is fighting back and there's been a there's been a bit of a bit of a battle going on, and um, we get to. I'm going to start with, um, actually, in verse 4. And if you've got a Bible, you can follow it. In Acts chapter 4, sorry, and verse 33. And then I'm going to read down to verse 12 in, uh, in chapter 5. So that should come up on the screen, uh, screen behind me. It says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. I should say the Holy Spirit makes us generous. The Holy Spirit makes us compassionate and to care for people. And that's what happened. There was no rule that said they had to do this. They just chose to do it. And it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned probably in Cyprus, and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Good man. 
Then um, we move into chapter 5, and it says, it says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his, his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but bought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, and, and God revealed this, this to him, Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the, for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but you've lied to God. You notice there how he, how the, he talks about the Holy Spirit and he describes the Holy Spirit as God. He's lied to, um, to God. And he, and he attributes the, the, the blame, as it were, um, to Satan talking, uh, to, you know, prompting him to do this. So you lied to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great um, fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Now we don't know why, how he died or what he, di- what he died from, but the impact of, of this lie on him was that, and, and the revelation of it more importantly, was that he died. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Um, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. It says, great fear seized the whole church. Am I surprised? And all who heard about these events. The apostles performed many wonders and signs among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Now that's a a story that I probably would have missed out. Yeah? But... Um, but it's, it teaches us some, some huge lessons. And I, I've just loved actually looking at, at this story and, and trying to, to see what God is trying to do. Because God is passionate about having a holy people and, and in, in bringing together a community that is holy. Now, I don't want you to think of that as, as sort of, you know, just a, you know, the, it's about moral rules and laws. It's not about that. It's about God wanting a people who reflect his holiness, wanting a people who reflect what he is like. And, and the power, if you like, that stops that is the power of sin. And sin is a bit like, it's a bit like kryptonite is to Superman. Yeah? It's, it's a, it, it takes away the strength. And God is passionate about having a holy, holy people because he wants to do amazing things through his people. And he wants us, a people, he wants a people. And whether you're part of the church or not part of the church, I really don't mind. <laughs> you know, he wants a people who, who acknowledge him and acknowledge how, how great he is and want to reflect what he is like. 
So, so Satan attacks here because, and if you see, Peter attributes this attack to Satan. He says, you know, Satan has, has so you know, provoked you to do this, this really stupid thing. And it wasn't that he did something, it wasn't the money, it wasn't that he, um, uh, you, you know, he did, it was his right to only give part of the money. The issue was that he lied and tried to be something that he wasn't. He tried to show himself as, as, as good as Barnabas, say. And, and he and his wife conspired. You know, we talk about conspiracy to, to do something, which is a criminal act. Yeah? And he, he, they, they conspired together to, to rob God. And, it, and I think um, Luke here wants us to, to recognize that this episode is, 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 is paralleled with episodes in the Old Testament that we'll come on to. But the first thing is he uses church, the word church in this passage, for the first time. And the, 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 and the, the Greek word used is used to describe the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament when they, when they translated the Old Testament into Greek. So, so he's sort of saying this, this, this body, this church, this ecclesia, ecclesiastical body, yeah, is, um, is similar to, to Israel. He also uses the word, the same word that to describe Ananias and Sapphira's. Um, I want to say A-N-N, but that stands for Army and Navy, doesn't it? So I won't, I won't do that. But he wants to, he wants, uh, the word he uses for Ananias and, and Sapphira's actions is to hold back. And it's, and it's used in Titus to talk about stealing from your employer. It's used in the Old Testament to describe um, an action by a guy called Achan, uh, when, when Israel was, was um, defeated after taking the... They were trying to enter the land. It was a crucial point for them to enter the land. And the word used there is that Achan, this guy, took stuff that belonged to the Lord. He held back some of the stuff that God has said should be destroyed. And, and we read about it in, in Joshua 7. And it says that the... After, after defeating Jericho, and probably you all know the, the story, you know, where the Israelites marched around the city of Jericho. They just entered the promised land. They marched around the city of Jericho, and all the walls fell down. And they took lots of stuff, but they were told to destroy all that stuff because, um, because that stuff would have led the, the Israelites to worship other gods. So he, so he wanted it destroyed. But one guy kept it back. And it's a bit like it was here. He kept back part of that, uh, that, that booty, if you like. And, and the word used there is, is to keep back, to hold, to steal. And these guys were stealing from God. Yeah? They, were, they were lying and stealing. And the, the main sin that, that, um, that Satan was, was doing was, was... Remember at the beginning... If you know the story of Adam and Eve and how they fell, at the beginning, the, the devil came to Eve and said, and said, did God really say? And, and I think the, the main sin here was that these guys listened to Satan saying, did God really say? Is God really real? Is what Peter has been preaching about resurrection and about um, salvation through, through Jesus, is that stuff really real? And he whispers to us that all the time. He whispers it to me all the time. Yeah? Saying, is that really true? 
Is that, is that really what God said? When I read the scriptures, is that really what God's saying? And it's, it's a lie that started at the beginning. It's a lie that goes on now. And all of us, I, I would suggest, are susceptible to hearing this rubbish come at us that says, is this stuff really true? Is God really holy? Is God really serious about us being holy? Is God really serious about building a community that reflects what he's like? Is God really serious about that community impacting the whole creation and the whole world? And the answer, the answer often we have is, well, I'm not sure. But the answer we should have is, yes, he is. It's a bit like the Bob the Builder thing, you know? Can he fix it? Yes, he can. Did God say that? Yes, he did. Did God say, I want a people who are separate, separated to me? I want a community that's going to live the way that I want them to live, the way that reflects my, my personality, my being, reflects my son. I want a holy people. And the answer to that, that question, did God really say that, is yes. That God is serious about wanting a, a community that reflects what he's like. And the, and the key thing I think about this episode of Ananias and Sapphira is that it shows right at the beginning that this church could have been totally wiped out. They would have become a little religious community they would become a community that sort of goes through the rituals. But instead, he wanted a vibrant, fighting um, group that are going to be what Jesus intended, what God intends for us to be. And, and if, if this had failed, that's why I say there's no lie, he won't want to tear down because he is passionate about creating a people who, who look a bit like him, who look a bit like like he did. Satan's tried lots of weapons. He tried lots of, lots of ways before. I mean, I, I was thinking about the Monty Python sketch. You know, I have, I have one, um, you know, the Spanish, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. You know, our chief weapon is surprise. Surprise and fear are two weapons. Yeah? Ah, oh, surprise and fear and ruthless efficiency are three weapons, you know, our fear, surprise, and ruthless efficiency, and an almost fanatical devotion to the Pope. Yeah? You're looking at me, you don't know that sketch. You know? <laughs> Do you know that sketch? I'm sure Barney does, where is he? <laughs> he could probably act it out better than I am. But, but, but Satan's tried lots of means to get to the church. He's tried lots of means to, to obliterate the church. He tried persecution. He imprisoned, imprisoned the apostles. You know, he tried to um, threaten them with, with violence. Um, he caused division. There was division between Jews and Greeks. And the church tackled that. They found a way around that to, to unite those, those people. He tried distraction. The disciples, uh, the apostles, got, got distracted into all sorts of admin stuff. Whereas really their job was to go and preach the gospel. And sometimes we're distracted, aren't we, from, from the, the thing that we're, we're created for. You, you talked about the, the, you know, the, the children, that they're created for purpose. And that purpose should be the main thing. Yeah? There's some things they're created for, some things they're probably not created for. There's some things I can do, there's some things I definitely can't do. You know, I can't play in that band, so, so there was no way that I would be doing that. 
Okay? You'll be thankful for that, I assure you. But now he's trying, to, he's trying to do that did God really say thing. He's now trying to get right into where the church is and trying to destroy it and destroy it from within. It's called a fifth column. It comes from, a, from a, in the Spanish Civil War. The way they got into Madrid, the nationalist forces, was they used a fifth column which was actually inside the city. And he's trying to get inside the, the community. Uh, Satan's trying to get inside of us. To, to, uh, to defeat us. But they didn't realise that God acts to protect his child. You know, the, the parents and the families of those children, if your children were under attack, you would, you would go to their defence, wouldn't you? Yeah? We said we would, didn't we? Didn't we declare that we would, we would you know, help them to, to be brought up in, in, you know, in the fear of the Lord? But we would, we would go and protect those children, wouldn't you? You know, they're defenceless. Um, we had a bird in our garden <laughs> recently that, that would, actually it was in our house, it was in, in the floorboards, because we've got a, a nest of sparrows that seems to have found its way into our house. And this bird, we were trying to get it out of the, the house and, and then try and protect it and try and help it to grow, we actually failed, yeah? We failed because it was, it was too young. But, you know, that, that bird was, had, had got away from its, from its nest. It got lost. And it's a bit like Ananias and Sapphira here. They got a bit lost, and they were on their own, and they were, you know, open to, um, uh, to, to destruction, But God wants to, um, he is passionate about his church. He is passionate about his body. He is passionate for people to come and be part of that body as well and to, and to come and enjoy the, 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 the salvation that he offers, the salvation that Peter had been preaching about throughout Acts. Throughout Acts, it's all about, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus lived. He did miracles. Jesus died for your sin. Jesus um, has risen again. And that's a really important fact because if he's risen again and he's alive, that changes everything. And, and if we don't believe that, then that has, a, that has an impact as well. But the fact is that Jesus is alive. Jesus has risen from the dead. That's what Peter preached all the time. That's what the apostles preached all the time. And you better listen to him. I said before, sin. Uh, sorry, um, yeah, sin matters to God. Because one of the lies that Ananias and Sapphira had was was that sin didn't matter, you know, and and that that grace is cheap. Yeah, grace is cheap, and we talk about a gospel of grace here. We, you know, God graciously does um, as as has allowed us to enter His presence through through the Lord Jesus. But grace is, is free to us, but it's not cheap. It cost, yeah? It cost, it cost Jesus his whole life. It cost him everything. And if we, if we trample that grace in the, in, the, in the dust and say, well, it's all right, God will forgive me all the time. I can do whatever I like. Then we're trampling that grace in the dust. We're treating it as cheap grace. And sometimes we charge for things 
here, actually, because people value things that are charged for. Whereas things that are free, sometimes people don't value. And I would say to you that grace is free, but it is not cheap. And we really need to understand the value of what that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is. These people, Ananias and Sapphira, they recognised probably that Jesus was their saviour, that what he did on the cross was for them, but he wasn't Lord. He wasn't, that didn't have the impact of making them want to follow him and to do the things that he wanted them to do. The things that it, it makes to make a holy people who reflect what he's like. It says about the, uh, the, the people of God um, that, that we, are, we are a temple, yeah? That we are a, um, and there's a slide, I think, Peter, that says, from 1 Peter, that says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into light. We are called to be a holy nation. And, and the thing about a holy people is they're a bit like a temple, Jesus, Jesus said, he said, um, I think it's a slide, slide there as well, he said, I'll destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. And, and basically, you're it. If you're the church, you're it. You're this temple that he's created. He's moved it out of a building in the centre of Jerusalem into something that's now within us, something that's now, um, now part of us. And the thing about, um, and there's a... a a scripture from 1 Corinthians that's, that's there as well. It says, um, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives among you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. The thing about it, there's two things about a temple. For the temple in Jerusalem, it was where God chose to dwell. It, where, it, where he cho- chose to live. And we are now that temple. So he's chosen to live in you and me if we, if, you know, if we let him in. He's chosen to live in us. The other thing about it is that it's an incredibly holy place. Yeah? The, the Jews had lots of rules about how the temple should, should look, who should go into it, when they could go into it, how they could go into it. It was very intricately um, designed. And, and Jesus has broken out of the confines of that, of that building to say that you are a holy people. You are the temple in which I want to reside now. It's scattered throughout the world. It's an explosion out of Jerusalem into the whole world. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. And we are the temple. And a temple is, a, is an incredibly holy place where God dwells by his spirit. And we need to recognize that we are now that temple. And we individually, but more importantly, we corporately. That together, together, we make up that, that community and we talk about the, the church being the people not the building you know we don't, we don't, we don't meet do we in a, in a church building people are always amazed when I say well the church meets here when I'm talking to them in, in, the, cafe, in the cafe here it, the, the church is the people and the temple is now the people and that's the place where God wants to reside where God does reside and he resides within you and, with, and within me. And 
there's a there's a danger, isn't there, that we think that this holiness is about you know just our, our moral character, and we have to 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 um, we do have to put lots of effort into it, but but there's two things through which we can you know become a holy people. One one is that we enter through the Lord through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's the first that's the first step. That's the first way in. It's not about us trying hard, because us trying hard leads to frustration. It leads to giving up. It leads to um, you know, anxiety, because we are never, ever going to be good enough. So the first way is to accept what Jesus did on that cross. In Ephesians 5, it says, um, Husbands, love your wives. There's a, t- there's a tall order here. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. That's a lofty ambition. Yeah? But that's his ambition for you and I. If I was to look at me, I'd go, huh? <laughs> how, can, how can that be? But his ambition is that we should be a people who are presented to him as a bride, holy and blameless. And that is why God is so passionate in this episode about getting the, the, the church on the right foundation. And the work is carried on by the Holy Spirit. So there's quite a few references, one in Romans, that says um, Paul has been given the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to be, to be the sort of people. Sanctification, by the way... Jan told me off this morning for wanting to use that word. All right? Sanctification is the process by which we become a holy people. It's a, so I won't use it again, but it's a process. That, that This is a process. And it's a process um, tutored and nurtured by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> the Holy Spirit is the one that, that creates a holy people. It is not our self-effort it is not uh, you know we do have to put effort into it but we put effort into a relationship we don't put effort into a bunch of rules you know we you know there are things we should do but (coughs) we do it because God inspires us to do it because the Holy Spirit inspires us to do it One of the first questions I asked when I, be, when I became a Christian, and I became a Christian when I was about 23, and <coughs> um, one of the questions I asked, and, and they thought I was a bit stupid, was what's, what's holiness and, and how do I get it? And somehow I'd been inspired by the Holy Spirit to think that, that holiness was important. And the person I was speaking to expected me to ask you know, some question like, you know, how, do I, um, you know, how do I pray or something like that? But I asked him about, about holiness because I thought, sorry, that, you know, it was a big deal, but I didn't really understand it. I didn't understand how to, how to do it. But, um, and I can't remember the answer I got, but it, it's, uh, it's probably stumped something. But I think we, when I, it is a work of the Holy Spirit in us. I remember there's a couple of occasions when, um, there's one when I left university and I wasn't a Christian I, I stole a load of stuff from there I took it because you, you know it was there in my room so I, so I took it and, um, 
And one of the things the Holy Spirit did was to convict me that when I became a Christian, I had to go and give that back. So I went up to Royal Holloway College I was at, and I gave them back all this stuff I'd nicked. They were astonished. They were astonished. They, they, <laughs> I'm not sure they wanted it, actually. But, 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 you know, it's the Holy... I didn't sort of think, oh, there's a bunch of rules here. I've got to, I've got to do this. I, I just felt inspired to do it, yeah? To go and... I had to give it back. I'd stolen something. I'd, I'd kept it. Another time, and, and Jan is very... I should say, your friends and your wives are very helpful in, in provoking us to, um, to do what the Holy Spirit's telling them to do. Was Once I did a, I did a runner in the Hard Rock Cafe in... Um, in um, I was a Christian then. I went with a load of mates of mine. We did a runner from the Hard Rock Cafe in, uh, in Piccadilly. And... Uh, it was a nice meal. And I got home, and I, and I was quite open. I told Jan, oh, we, we just... I was with a load of mates. We'd ah, we'd go. We would just do a runner. So, so, so we did. And I got home. This was like 10 o'clock at night. And she says, she says you can't do that. You, you, and she made me go back up to, up to Piccadilly from here and go and pay the bill. I paid it all. <laughs> and... For all my mates, and I told my mates as well that I'd, I'd done it a bit later on, and they were astonished. The bloke at the the bloke at the bloke in the restaurant in, in the Hard Rock Cafe, he said, um, "No, he's ever done that before," and he, and he offered me a drink. <laughs> so it's worth it, guys, right? But I didn't do that because of a set of rules, yeah. I did it. I did it because my wife prompted me. No, no, no. But but I did it because the Holy Spirit put something in us that that reflects the law, yeah? It reflects what's, what's right and good. And the Bible talks about the law being in our, in our hearts, you know? And we just need the Holy Spirit because he's the one who tutors us in this holiness thing. Yeah? We're not, we are here not going to tell you a bunch of rules. Yeah? We, want that, we rely on the Holy Spirit. And I've learned more and more that it's the Holy Spirit and it's Jesus. If you present Jesus to people, he's the one who can sort them out. He's the one who can, can deal with the issues that, that they have. And, and more and more, we just want to present Jesus. We just want to say, look at this guy. Yeah? Now judge yourself against, against him. Look at what he's done for you. He, he, he gave his life that you might have life. He, he brought you out of... I mean, when I first again a Christian, it was like coming out of darkness into light. You know, I, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home or anything. That, you know, it was darkness to light. And he's done that. And I just want to praise him and thank him and glorify him for what he has done for me. And it's a response to grace. It's a response to grace. Grace makes me do these things. Grace doesn't conflict with me doing these things. Grace doesn't mean I just go and think, well, it's okay, I can do whatever I like. It's the grace that's given to me that makes me want to go and do these things. It makes me want to serve him. Yeah? It makes me want to, um, and, I'm, uh, and I'm no paragon in this, as you've just found out. Yeah? Um, but, you know, it, it's a desire. And I, I notice throughout the Bible that people who, who obey rules and the religious people who want to obey rules are really criticised and condemned. The people who are, who are exalted and promoted and go, that's the way it is, are people who, who how, however falteringly, want to serve God. 
but they do it in every day. They do it where they fail. They do it in the real life. People who want to be holy do it in a real life, real world situation, in their jobs, in their, in their professions, in whatever they are, in their homes, in their families. That this holiness is things we develop through our life. We're tutored by the Holy Spirit, but we do it through, through real life, a real life example. And the people who, who God sort of commends in the, in the Bible are people who've had a go. They might have failed. They might have not quite come up to the mark. But like I said, this is a process. This is a process we're going through. And we learn, don't we? We learn. I learn most things by the mistakes I do. I learn most things by having a go and trying it in the real life and, and doing it. I don't, learn, I don't do it by obeying a set of rules. And I can't tell you how to behave. It's the Holy Spirit that has to tell you how to behave and how to, how to conduct whatever you're doing in your, in your real life situation. The impact of, of, of this on the, on the church in this situation was the church went out stronger and healed many people. They saw signs and wonders. They saw stuff happening around them. And the impact of, of this was, and there was, the, the church was, you know, it really made them stand up and think, I need to be a holy people. But the benefit of being a holy people was that they could go out and they could start to heal people. They could start to make the sick well. They could start to, um, to release people. Thousands and thousands of people came to faith through after this episode. The church grew exponentially. And you know, there is a close correlation, I think, between what we might call holiness and getting closer to Jesus, getting closer to the Father, being that temple where he dwells, There's, it, that is power. Yeah? The opposite is sin, which is kryptonite. Yeah? The power is in, you know, is in being a holy people. And I just want to you know, call us as a community... And if you're not part of it, we'd love you to be part of it. But, you know, whatever community you're in, we want you to be the people that God wants you to be. And he wants you to reflect him and show him. And I just want to... There's a, in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 2, it, the people said, what shall we do? <laughs> what do we do? You know, they'd heard something and they said, what shall we do? And I just want you to respond. I just want, I want to, you know, there's, if you, you want to respond to the, to the good news of grace through Jesus for the first time, then I want you to do that. If you want to, God um, spoke to me this morning and said, you know, some people who, who have been holding on to lies and have been cheating. It may be their employer, I don't know. But, but you know, he wants, to, he wants you to deal with that. He wants you to confess that. Because in response to what shall we do, the answer was repent and be baptised. We had a baptism last week. We can arrange another one. It's fine. Um, but, you, you know, we need to turn around. We need to turn, turn back from those things. And if that's an issue for you, then we'd love to, you know, to pray with you and see you healed. Um, that sin of agreeing with Satan, agreeing that did God really say that, did God, you know, is God real? Does, does this stuff really matter? I mean, I, 
you know, I suffer from that a lot. You know, attacked in terms of my thinking and the way I think, the way I perceive God. Surely he can't be like that or can't be like you do that. But that's my view on God. I'm so glad I've got a God that I, is not in my image. I'm in his image, meant to be. But doubts and fears, let's get rid of those. They're lies. Doubts and fears, they are lies. And there's no lie he won't tear down. No lie he won't tear down. Um, and people, I think it's people who are struggling to be, to be holy, if you're trying to be holy, I just want you to give up. <laughs> I just want you to, to accept grace in, into your life if you're trying to be holy, trying to be good enough for God. It's, you, you, it's not going to work. And I, I just want to equip people to be able to stand on their own. Quite often, I mean, you know, as church leaders, we sometimes do try and protect people, protect the flock. I've stood in the door in, in churches and, said, and stopped people coming in because you really want to protect people because you think they are just a, <laughs> you know, they're not good. Um, you know, but, but individually, we need to be able to protect ourselves. We need to say to Satan, the answer is no, I do believe God. We need to stand up. And I just want to equip you today. So can I just say, if any of those apply to you, can you stand up? Right? I'll wait for you to do it. Right? Because I'll stand up and I'll go, that one about doubt, I, you know, I'm always challenged by that. And I just want to say, stand up and we'll, we'll pray for you. Because I think the Holy Spirit is, is he wants to release us. He wants to put us on a new, a new footing. Yeah? So those, li- you know, those lies you're holding on to, I want to be a holy people. Yeah? I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't you know, get fully what it means to be a holy people, but I want us to be a holy people. I want to be somebody, somebody who reflects, reflects the Lord Jesus. So if that's you, and uh, you know, then, then stand.